Wales, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 15 Fair to say, I'd put a few things to bed in the last chapter. Uh, but exam season was approaching and I kind of realised I was going to need to pull it together if I was going to have any chance of scraping a pass in my degree. And the exams came thick and fast. My final exam was scheduled for a Friday morning. It was my worst subject, it was statistics and I just, I couldn't get on with it. It was a bit like the maths of my degree and I revised like a mad fool who'd spent the last seven months fucking about frankly it was totally worth it the exam went swimmingly and I strolled out of that last exam as light as a feather okay sirrah sirrah let the chips fall where they may so we started with cocktails at the fancy bar, the moment it opened, courtesy of the rich and very soon to depart flatmate, Nicholas. It may not have been the wisest way to kick off the day, but that was how it started. Nicholas departed. He had a year of star to catch. And I moved on. And at some point during my afternoon of heavy drinking, I managed to catch a couple of trains, hang out with plenty of my friends. I climbed a few trees and I drunk dialed my most recent Gaydar girls contact, Steph. We'd been flirting, but nobody had really kind of made a move. Drunk me decided that that should be rectified immediately. Now, I can't be sure because of the um, well, the drinking, but I'm pretty certain that I asked her out while I was up one of the aforementioned trees. Yeah, interesting, interesting fact about that situation. Um, now, while my date Steph finished her day at work and went home to get ready for what she thought was going to be a lovely first date, um, I carried on drinking. I carried on celebrating and uh, I decided I'd do, frankly, no need to change. I was, I was fine as I was. Let's just keep drinking. A bunch of my friends had come into town to celebrate and I'd kind of forgotten to mention that I'd arranged a date. I say I'd forgotten to mention it, I'd kind of forgotten I'd arranged it in the first place. But anyway, she rings, she's arrived, and I abruptly leave the table and return with my date, Steph. She's prepared to just join the group, and so the awkwardness is massively diminished by my lovely, lovely friends. Well, and the fact that I am too smashed to even resemble awkward at this point. It's all helping. The night moved on and dancing was required. It was the only way to deal with the level of sway that I had now got going on. At some point late into the night, Steph heads off to the ladies. 
couple of songs go by and I start to get that feeling like she's just been gone too long. You know, you just get that, something's wrong. Right, I need to go and check on her. Yeah, 10 points to drunk me, but you just, you had that feeling. So I go off and I start looking for her and she actually finds me on her way back. And wow, she looks incredibly pale. Um, and she tells me she needs to go to hospital. And she says it in that way that like, you just, you know that, that there's no messing around here, we, we gotta go. So sharp exit from the club, straight in the back of a taxi, and it is now 12.30 a.m. and I am in accident and emergency. I am sobering up fast now. Probably the combination of that hospital smell and the god-awful fluorescent lighting like making everything seem very, very real right now. Steph is in agony next to me and finally we get taken into a little triage room and this nurse looks incredibly stern just like she's had enough of everything and everyone and she starts talking to Steph and I'm I'm in the corner of this tiny little room just moral support didn't really know what else to do sort of just sat there and Steph Steph has no compunction about spilling her private medical history in front of me she is going into detail and she starts talking about how what's going on right now is related to previous injuries her partner had caused during an incident. And all of a sudden, this nurse is on red alert. Like, I can see the tension in her body. She is now giving me the evil eye. And I realise she thinks Steph means me, that I'm, I'm the partner who did the injury. And like, oi, hup. Everybody just, everybody just calm down a second. I helpfully point out that this, this glamorous situation right here, is actually our first date. The nurse is still thoroughly unimpressed by, well, the look and probably smell of me at this point. But the I will cut you look has left her face. So that day ended with Steph in bed. Unfortunately, it was a hospital bed that came with its own free outfit, a gown, no less, and the drugs, morphine. I sat next to my date, listening to her snore like a recently tranquilized animal. And I moved from sobering up to early doors hangover fairly quickly. It was about late afternoon when she finally got discharged. She's in no fit state to travel home, of course. And so I look after her at my place, you know, just for a day or two. That turns into a week. Her sister drops off clothes. She doesn't take her home. She just drops off more stuff. Ten days later, she has actually got to go home follow-up appointments, doctor stuff, all of that. And I'm relieved, to be honest with you. It's been a fairly intense 10 days. I decide that it's all been just a bit too much and that I'm going to call a halt to the whole thing. Except she ends up back in hospital. And 
I'm not proud to say, but yes, I did break up with her gently while she was in a hospital bed. I mean, my most honest, but poorly timed breakup to date. I felt like an absolute shit. I'm not going to lie, but I just, I didn't, I didn't think this was going to work. And I was, I was looking ahead. I was looking to my future, right? I was planning some 21st birthday shenanigans, right? One night of the shenanigans, it was just quite a simple one. A night out in my local town. Nothing fancy, just a proper raucous night out. You know, one that I could stumble home from, one that all my friends could be at. It wasn't going to cost the earth. I just, that was it. That was all I really, really wanted. Now, at some point in the run-up to all of this, birthday plans have been discussed with um, Steph and Rose. And of course, at points when it had been appropriate, I had extended the invitation to both of them. But of course, neither of them lived in my town, right? We weren't actively involved with each other. It was a polite, safe invite where they're not expected to show up. So of course, they both did. Somewhere around my third or fourth shot of tequila, I had a very stupid idea. I was looking at them both, sat next to each other in one of the little booths. And I wondered to myself, my 21st birthday. Could I celebrate by having sex with both of them tonight? Not at the same time. I wasn't feeling that ambitious. I didn't think Rose was going to go for that. I thought Steph might, I'm not going to lie. I thought Steph might, but, but, I thought maybe I could get both of them. You know, the threesome seemed out, like, you know, you need everybody on board with that. It's an all or nothing sort of situation. I didn't think I could get Rose on board, but I thought maybe on an individual basis. Rose left the booth and joined the group she was much more familiar with. And my tiny little brain, which I was clearly operating from my pants, ruminated on the idea of divide and conquer. Keep them apart. Try my luck with both. While we're all in the same nightclub. And they've both made the assumption that they can stay at mine after the party. Listeners, this plan was brought to you by shots number four of tequila. But shots five and six were really where it got put into action. And for a while, I'm not going to lie to you, it was going brilliantly. Like both of them had come to celebrate and I was having the time of my life. You know, by drinks nine and ten though, I was getting a bit sloppy. And while I thought I was the man, right, they'd clocked me. I would later find out that they had a little chat. They talked it through with each other at some point in the evening and they agreed to lead me all the way on, but then turned me down 
right at the end. A ladies agreement, if you will. Nobody was going to bed with me. This was the deal. Now, my big-headed self was blissfully unaware of this uh, ladies agreement, and I'm still bouncing between them. Totally thinking that my luck's in it. Alright, I'm going to make this happen, people. Oh yeah, celebrating my birthday. Party moves back to the house. It's winding down. Rose, Rose wants to go to bed. She heads to my room. Steph, Steph's been roped into a drinking game with some of the lads. So carpe diem, I attempt to take Rose to bed. Now, just as we're about to get right down to it, she stops me. She wants to talk about our situation. You know, and should we really be doing this? And, uh, you know, what does it mean for both of us? And <clears throat> I know <laughs> that she is not going to sleep with me tonight. Okay? She's not. I just, I know it. I vaguely remember agreeing, you know, to talk about all of this, you know, maybe in the morning, you know, but obviously I'm too drunk right now, so maybe, maybe you should get some sleep and maybe I should just check everybody else is, is all okay. Hostess with the mostess and all of that. And a hostess with an ulterior motive. Because the party's still going. It took a moment to adjust from the bedroom. I'm not going to lie, it was dark in there and coming back out was like coming out the cinema in the middle of the day. Three, two, one, back in the room, back at the party. And eventually it's just Steph and I in the kitchen. And then it's Steph and I in the spare bedroom. And Steph might have made a lady's agreement, but Steph is no lady. And Steph has no intention of stopping me. As I woke up the next morning, I was really regretting the tequila. Mmm, the hangover was instant and brutal. The flat looked like a war zone. There were bodies strewn about the place. Somehow, thanks to some collective effort of zombies, we got the place vaguely presentable. And, you know, by about late morning, there was just the three of us left in the flat. Me, Steph and Rose. The girls, Steph and Rose, they wanted to have a chat. So we sat down. Me in an armchair and Steph sat on my left with Rose on the right of me, both on a sofa of their own, kind of dead across from each other and I was at the top of what was about to become a very pointy triangle. They started quite calmly, bringing to my attention that they knew that last night I was trying to sleep with both of them. And now I knew that they knew. And they knew that I knew that this was probably bad. I mean, not definitely bad yet. But it was the kind of situation that would make you feel like you had a hangover, even if you didn't. They started out as a very united front. 
like we knew and we decided you know, this is where I learned that they'd made this agreement that neither would go to bed with me last night maybe I looked at Steph at that particular moment maybe I raised my eyebrows whatever it was I did made Rose realise she was the only one who'd stuck to her end of the deal. The United Front quickly started to crumble. The alliance was broken, trust was gone, and it was every woman for herself. I sat there in my hungover stupor, watching them argue, occasionally turning and shouting at me, before going back to shouting at each other. I stared down the living room between them and out of the patio doors, just staring into the garden, just wondering, thinking, could I just leave? Could I just get up and walk away? And as if by magic, at that moment, my mate Frank appeared at the patio doors. He refused to use the front door. I don't know what it was about, but he just wouldn't. Taking in the scene, I watched Frank start chuckling to himself. If I thought I was about to be rescued, I was very, very wrong. He was going to be no use as an escape plan. He left me to it. Frank went on his merry way. His self-preservation instincts were strong. My attention has snapped back to the room and everyone is upset and the argument has nowhere else to go. And in almost comic fashion, one storms out of the front door and the other storms out of the patio doors at the back. I had no idea who to follow. I just stood in the living room like a real-life John Travolta Pulp Fiction gif. You know, what, what, what should I do? So I kind of just waited a little bit until I figured, well, they're both going to be out the front at this point, you know, maybe one a little bit ahead of the other, but still, you know, it, it didn't look like I was going to be making a choice at that point, which it seemed like what I was supposed to be doing. When I got out in the street, neither of them were anywhere to be seen. And I was in no fit state to be running about after anyone. So I crawled back inside the flat to nurse my hangover. And that really should be where the story ends. But of course, it's not. It's not. Steph returns a couple of hours later. She's left some stuff and she wants to talk. Listeners, she never went home again for more than a brief visit. University was over. I had until the end of the summer to figure out where I was going to live and what I was going to do for a job. I couldn't afford to be doing an internship. You know, I had to find a proper job that paid at least enough money for me to be able to live. So I continued hunting for jobs in my degree industry, but you know, with the bills to pay, Retail management was right there on the doorstep and they scooped me up and reeled me in. I told myself it was temporary. Until I could do what I wanted to do, I just needed to do what I had to do. 
But now I could afford to live. Not glamorously, but I knew I wasn't going to be starving to death. The property search began. Well, I mean, that's a large exaggeration. The search for the least awful room to rent began. My budget was tight and my options were, um, grim. And this, this was when Steph suggested that maybe we should get a place together. I knew it was too soon. You know it's too soon. I knew I wasn't ready to live with her. I also knew I wasn't sure about my feelings for her. Hmm. But I also knew I didn't want to have to go home to my parents. I knew I didn't want to live in a really shitty place. But most of all, I knew I didn't want to do this on my own. It was hard, it was scary, everything was so uncertain. I didn't feel like I had a clue what it was I was supposed to be doing. You know, I couldn't have even had imposter syndrome at that point because I didn't think I could even pull that off. Life with Steph was, I'm not gonna lie, it was a bit dramatic, but it was never dull and I wasn't on my own. I mean, she got on with my friends and it hadn't been the worst summer at all. And so uh, we moved in together. There are many, many things I would do differently about this relationship if I had to do it again. One of them would be the kind of place that we moved into. First up, the place only had a shower. Might not seem like the biggest thing in the world, but I love a bath. Not the butcher's thing, I know, but God damn it, I love a bath and I bloody love a bubble bath. I just, sometimes that is what you need in life. And there is, there is no bath in this place. You don't know what you've got till it's gone, eh? I mean, right you, not the biggest problem. The flat itself. Now this was a studio flat, which is a glorified name for a room with a kitchen in it and maybe a bathroom attached. More than enough space for one single person who is generally out for about 40 or more hours a week. Two people? Hmm, cozy, compact, bijou. Just a few choice words that I'm sure were all in the advert. You wanted privacy in this flat, well, then you had to go and sit in the shower or on the loo. And then, how do you make a small space feel even smaller? That's right, you minimise the amount of natural light it gets. And that's easily done when the studio flat is actually a basement studio flat. Seriously, the Lego houses have more windows. In the height of British summer, I kidded myself that it wouldn't be that bad. And worst case scenario, I reckoned I could just about afford... And worst case scenario, I could just about afford the bills if this all went tits up. My parents definitely raised their eyebrows at this decision, checked that I was making them of my own free will, and kind of shrugged and set about making the best of the situation as always. And as it happened, I was in need of their assistance. 
Moving day was fast approaching and I could not get the day off work. And there was no room for an overlap with the other place either. Steph was not the kind of femme who would be able to just crack on while I was at work and get, get the move done. She didn't drive for a start. So my parents, bless them, offered to come up, help us move our stuff. Bloody superstars, right? I packed everything up. All they had to do was put the boxes in the new place. I could handle the rest when I got home. And as if moving wasn't stressful enough, work was pure bedlam. The end of the summer in the shoe business is all about back-to-school shoes. They were queuing before the doors even opened. And not once in the day did the decibel level drop below a din. I tried to orchestrate the move and the shop at the same time. And once I knew Steph had the new keys, I just, I pushed it to the back of my mind. I was like, my dad's there, he'll handle it. He'll make sure everything's okay. The day drags on. It's late afternoon, my shop is still rammed with families. A minimum of three people are required to buy one pair of shoes. Ah, you know what? Bring Nana too. She likes an outing. Jesus. Just a couple of hours to survive. I'm trying to retrieve the display shoes from under a bench, whilst simultaneously being used as a climbing frame by small, unclaimed, sticky children. There's a suspicious-looking wet patch in one corner. Someone is now shouting across the store to me. There's a phone call for me, and no, apparently it can't wait. My very wise colleague has checked. I'm actually kind of glad I have a chance to get off the shop floor, quite literally, just for that moment. I pick up the phone in the stockroom, and it's Steph. She sounds uh, quite nervous and oddly hesitant, and I am... Um, I'm worried, but I don't have time for chit-chat right now. I'll just get to the point. And she blurts it out. Your dad found your porn. I'm sorry, what? Your dad found your porn. No, no. Say it again. Your dad found your porn. She's practically yelling now. What, did, ha, ha, what, how, why would, how did he, what did he, I am all questions and incomplete sentences and Steph apparently now has to go because she's busy but you know she thought I should know before I got home. So thoughtful, so very considerate. I spend the next couple of hours trying to remember what porn I own and what exactly it is that they might have found. Obviously, I can't. can't really remember, but I know it's not going to look good, is it? Porn covers, they're not parent-friendly, are they? They just... Oh, God, they're not. Okay. I mean, I've got... I've got some things in my mind now. I really have, and, you know, as I pull down that shutter to the shop and lock up... Part of me can't wait to get back to the new place. You know, I just, right now, I really want to sit down. I really, really want to sit down. I am so tired. But I also really, really don't want to have to actually face my parents right now. Just 
They've seen my porn collection. They know I have a porn collection. Just... I also have many questions for Steph. Main one being, how could she let this happen? Just how, how did this, how did this happen? Start up at 10. How did this happen, Steph? The how actually became very apparent the moment I walked into the cave. I'm sorry, I mean flat. My parents had been busy. All the furniture had been constructed, put back together. The beds were made, the kitchen was stocked. They were so on top of things that while Steph and my mum had gone off to get snacks and drinks and stuff, my dad decided it would be nice that if when I came home, my TV, my video player, all of that stuff was all set up, ready to go. That done, he thought he might as well um, unpack a few more boxes. Yeah, he put some of my videos and DVDs and stuff out on the shelving. He put my complete Buffy the Vampire Slayer box sets out too. Which was unfortunate, as this was the box I'd hidden the porn in. I'd labelled the box very clearly to say that it was Buffy, so that everybody knew that it contained absolutely nothing of moving day use. Right? No need for this particular box to be unpacked anytime soon. Underestimating my dad's productivity was my undoing. Everyone's outside in the little garden um, as I came home and, and looked around the place. The three of them had done a lovely job making, the, making it all homely and stuff. And I looked around and then um, looked at the TV stand. And while most videos were arranged with the spine, facing you. In front of these, displayed proudly, front covers on show, were some choice selections. I actually died a little inside. On the shelf there, staring back at me, was a Playboy VHS. I thought to myself, it's not too bad. Unfortunately, it was right next to Lesbian Nation 2 and Teen Tryouts 5. Those titles have been stuck in my head to this day, it's fair to say. I rejoined my family in the, uh, in the garden. There was just a look from my dad to me. Just, just a knowing look. Steph and my mum stayed stum. And internally I'm still dying of embarrassment. I steered the conversation to my overwhelming gratitude for how great the place looked um, and how kind it was for them to do everything that they'd done. That evening as they went to drive away, my dad's parting comment was, um, right, well, might as well go on in, put your feet up and relax. Hey. Why don't you put a video or two on? Bye. And off he went. Honestly. Thankfully, they've never brought it up since. Now, between the cramped living space, a very tight budget, and Steph's penchant for drama, the relationship's a roller coaster. She was an absolute scene queen and she adored karaoke. Okay, and fair play though, right, she could sing. But she loved to be all up in everybody's business and uh, 
As you might guess, the woman who stays over and never goes home isn't the kind of woman who encourages you to have your own space in a relationship. Yeah, there would be texts to check when I'm coming home, despite you know having had a conversation about that prior to leaving. Calling when I haven't said that I've left and I'm on my way home yet. And God, you just didn't want the earache if you didn't pick up. Yeah, quite early on it became clear that we had... Um, very, very different views on children. I mean, for a start, she had a view on children. I didn't. I just knew I couldn't eat a whole one. That was it. You know, bad dad jokes aside, they were irrelevant to me. Not in my plans. And definitely not on my budget, right? As far as I was concerned, if you can't afford for your kitchen not to be in your bedroom... It's not the right time to be talking about kids. It's just how I saw things. Steph, on the other hand, wanted three. Mm-hmm. Now, what we did agree was that these were discussions and decisions for way, way in the future. Like, you know, maybe when we've been together longer than five bloody minutes, perhaps, you know. So time passed and I forgot about the conversation because, frankly, that's a future me problem. No need to keep that up front and centre. Fast forward to one Saturday afternoon and uh, Frank and I are watching the football. I've only been out an hour and a half and she's already called me once. I ask her really nicely that if maybe it's at all possible that unless it's an emergency, maybe I could call her after the game is finished. Thinking, maybe I can manage this situation better. You know, maybe I can, I can preempt it. Maybe I might not have to step out during the second half to take another call. I mean, Frank's already moody. United are 2-0 down. He's, he's, he's pissed, right? I don't, I don't need it, right? And she agrees. No drama. Result. We settle in to see if Frank's lot can get a result. See if their luck can change in the second half. By the time she calls again, United are down by three. Frank does not look up or away from the television as he points towards the back door. I step outside and onto the steps. His Steph. Surprise. Surprise. But she says it's important. What is he is uh, she's applied for this thing and, well, now they've called and they've asked her if we want to do it. And, uh, well, she's now asking me if I want to do it. And I'm very lost because I don't know what the thing is. And so I ask her to slow down and please explain. What she'd applied for was a BBC Two programme about artificial insemination they would pay for everything associated with the process if we agreed to be followed slash interviewed throughout. And then, of course, have it aired on national television. I sank down onto the steps and asked her to explain it one more time while I tried to work out how to shut this down immediately but without causing a massive row, ideally. 
I really wanted to ask her some questions like, why did she think I would want to do this? Why did she think I would want to do this on national television? Mostly I just wanted to ask why. Why, Steph? Just why? In the end, I chose to go with the uh, family angle and the potential issues there might be around, you know, how receptive my family would be, alongside my many renditions of my now very established chorus, Our Kitchen is in Our Bedroom. She was sulky, but she seemed to get it. Still wanted to know what time I was going to be home, even though I've not managed to go 45 minutes without speaking to her so far this afternoon. Besides, I was going to need an hour or two to process this latest development. I gave her a new ETA and I headed back in to find Frank with a right face on. It was game over. There had been no comeback for United. But by the time I'd finished letting Frank know what on earth had just gone on, he was all smiles and laughs, entirely at my expense. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Steph and I had a good chat about where we were in relation to, you know, having kids when I got home. You know, as in, we're nowhere near close to having kids. Case closed. Please discuss it another time. And another couple of months pass. And I'd love to say to you that they passed without incident, but you know by now that this is not the case, right? But we don't have time for all of that drama, frankly. So let's just stick with what is now becoming a, um, a theme. The upside to retail life is that random day off in the week. You know, they're kind of fun. I quite, it just feels like more of a day off when the rest of the world is, you know, at work. Um, and also I loved it because it meant I had the flat to myself, right? Mid-afternoon, the house phone rings. I answer and somebody's looking for Steph. I ask if I can take a message. I'm very good like that. And I write it down. Sally, calling from mannotincluded.com about the platinum package. I get her to repeat the phone number twice. And then I ask her to repeat the company name mannotincluded.com she says well I say I think I've got all those details Sally um, uh, thanks for calling I'll, uh, I'll let Steph know you called bye I had the laptop open before the phone even hung up Steph had registered our interest and I say our interest in the platinum package from this essentially sperm and artificial insemination place. Never mind the fact that we've already talked about this. How does this woman think we can afford the platinum package? I mean, I grant you this is probably not an area that you want to be scrimping on, right? But to be honest with you, in our current situation, a decent quality turkey based is out of our budget. Never mind the platinum package. I mean, Steph could not see what my problem or 
problems were when I brought it up when she got home. You know, we just could not get on the same page about anything. Not about the kids thing. Not about the fact that going out after 9pm to sit and chat in your ex's car is deeply suspicious. Her, not me. Not about the fact that I didn't want to be involved in any of the scene drama. None of it. The lease on the flat was just a couple of months away from being up. And I was thinking to myself, maybe if I can just make it to then. You know, maybe if I can engineer an exit and I don't know. I'd pictured the breakup a few times by this point and I'd kind of always imagined it to be a blazing row, you know, just full melodrama. But um didn't go like that. I mean, by this point, everything both of us are doing is driving the other one crazy. We are annoying the life out of each other. We were at home one afternoon, just watching TV on the bed slash sofa, and I got up and walked all nine steps from the bed to the bathroom. On my way back, I uh, took four steps across to the kitchen to get a drink. And I opened a cupboard to get a glass out, and Steph popped up from the bed. Oh, that's it. Just use another bloody glass, even though you've already left one right here. I can't explain why that moment was the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was. I closed the cupboard door, broke up with her, put my shoes on and went down the pub to wait for Frank. If the main feeling you have post-breakup is relief, you, my friend, have made a winning decision. The right choice. Whatever comes next, do not falter, right? Even if she rings your parents up and tells them how much debt you're in. Basically, here's the big red button for your parents. I'ma push it now. She did that. Even if her and her friends trash your cave, sorry, I mean flat, while moving out. Even if she takes all of the rent money, it will be worth it. Right? Now, the cave looked weird. Right? All the gaps where her stuff had been. You know, I came over from the pub, I cleaned up, I calmed my parents down. You know, I sent an email saying I wanted to cancel the lease. You know, all in all, this had taken about 18 months for me to realise that being alone was not a terrible prospect. And it was a vastly better choice than making myself and someone else unhappy. While I took a contemplative, reflective moment that night, Steph, Steph went up to our local gay bar, sang all of the breakup songs, badmouthed me between tracks on the microphone, telling anyone and everyone who'd listen how much of a shit I was. At one point, she even started claiming I'd been beating her up on a regular basis. And that part obviously raised a few eyebrows. Partly because people knew me, didn't seem incredibly likely they knew us and they'd seen us together and it didn't seem hugely likely. But also, 
if anybody was ever seen squaring up to anybody, it had always been Steph. And, you know, while it's no indication of anything, there was a significant size disparity in Steph's favour. So, thankfully, all of this sort of added up to give just an air of suspicion around these things, these accusations she was making. And uh, the people who really knew me and had known us knew it wasn't true. And she left town the very next day. I was broke. I had no idea where I was going to end up living next. And I'll be honest, I was very, very happy about it. I mean, a bit scared, you know, got to make it work just me now but I needed to get my head sorted you know uh, I just I needed to figure out what I was supposed to be doing and I'd stop hanging out on Gaydar Girls back when the whole Steph thing had started off and kicked off and and then there was that weird point when things weren't great and I was too embarrassed to admit that you know it really wasn't going great and you know maybe I should do something about it but I realised I needed wisdom. I needed some experience. I needed somebody with a logical, rational head. You know what I needed? I needed Doc. Thank you for listening to chapter 15. It is lovely to have you with me once more. Always, always a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your week to listen to my stories it it massively appreciated it really is if you get a chance and you can leave a review on the podcast platform where you listen um that'd make my day it really would and it helps this get seen by other people seen heard heard by other people um don't forget i am on instagram at well established lesbian on facebook i think if you just type tales of a well-established lesbian you can find the page on there there's a community as well of people who listen um r-t-o-a-w-e-l on the reddit site so please do come over you know let me know what you want in there um let me know what you want to see if you've got any feedback at all feel free to send it through via any of those points Thank you, as always, for the privilege of your time. I hope you have a most excellent week and I will see you next time.